Well, my name is Abdu. If we haven't met, I'm pretty sure I met everyone in this room right now, but for everyone online, the millions watching online right now. <laughs> now, um, I'm glad to just be back and being able to, to share what God has laid on my heart. And uh, a lot has happened. Uh, you know, I started out like on a journey with just the youth ministry, and then I ended up getting a new job, and it kind of pulled me away from the youth. And uh, me and Pastor Ken and a lot of people have been praying about it, that, you know, I get a shift bid and get a schedule change, and God came through. So starting on the 26th, I'm going to be back full-time with the youth, and I'm excited about it. Like, it's just, I feel like that's where God is, you know, just definitely been pressing in on me. Like, you know, he wants me to be a part of youth, and not just anywhere, but here at Crosswinds. And just bringing up our, 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 our youth and just teaching them, you know, how to be leaders in the church. But the most important thing is just showing them how to engage in that relationship with Christ. Because that's what it's about. It's about relationship, right? And today, you're with us. We're going to talk about Jesus. It's going to be a little different, but we're going to talk about Jesus today. And I know some of you are probably like, what did I just walk into? But it's okay. Um... Anyone remember Christmas? Christmas, right? We just said, yeah, no, nobody remembers Christmas. Um, what do we usually see at Christmas? We see lights, we see trees, but what is a nativity? The bird scene, right? What's in the manger? I got a youth right here. She's all about it. Baby Jesus, right? So everybody loves baby Jesus, right? And it, yeah, it's so simple. It's like baby Jesus and Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts, right? Everybody loves baby Jesus. And when we talk about baby Jesus, everyone's cool with those two things. And when we think about it, it's like, why would people love baby Jesus, but want nothing to do with an adult Jesus? And uh, I just, I just had this thought, I was at Home Depot and I was walking, it was like sometime in October, and I was walking by, and somebody seen like a nativity scene, and you know, they're like, oh, look at baby Jesus. They're so excited about baby Jesus, but no one's excited about adult Jesus. You know, and I, I just, I, I had that thought in my head, and I was just like, what is, you know, what is going on? Is it, is it possible that, you know, we could fit baby Jesus in our own little world, right? You know, like baby Jesus didn't tell us to repent. <laughs> baby Jesus didn't tell us you better, you know, turn away from sin, and uh, you better fix your sin, or the wickedness is going to send you to hell. Baby Jesus just chilled, right? He didn't, he, we don't know what he did. He just, he, right, you know, so he was just a baby, you know, and uh, everyone is okay with baby Jesus, and honestly, people are okay with the Jesus who was a suffering servant savior, and, but there's a whole other side to Jesus that, that we don't talk about enough, and you may not be aware of, and prayerfully you experience this morning, because that's where we're going. Um, I'm not trying to pump things up. I'm not trying to push emotion. I want you to consider, with your mind and your heart, what happens when the real Jesus walks in the room. Because yes, we're going to feel his love, and we're going to feel his kindness. <laughs> but some may feel his wrath and his judgment if you don't know him. And if you continue to reject him. 
that's something that's not talked about very often. Um, that's, it's, it's not popular because they're afraid you're going to talk about that Jesus. And what we're talking about is the lion and the lamb. So Jesus came on the scene as a suffering prophet. Not everyone knew he was the son of God right away. Let's look in the Gospels. He, in John 13, he washed people's feet. In uh, John 13, 5, Jesus knew the, the Father had given him authority over everything he, had, he has and uh, come from God, would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off a robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash disciples' feet, drying them with a towel. What king have you ever heard of washing dirty, nasty feet? And when we're thinking like dirty feet, we're thinking dirt, right? Well, back then they had camels and horses and buggies, and we know what those do. They, they go to the bathroom, right? So it's, it's nasty when you wash someone's feet. And then you have the king of all the universe come down in flesh, and what's he doing? He's washing feet. He fed the homeless. Why did he do that? Because he looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they didn't have any food, they didn't have any water, so he gave them food. It says he was moved with compassion. What's the word in compassion? Passion. He had passion for people. He saw the need and he had compassion to do something. He wept over people that, that turned from God. He looked at the city of Jerusalem and said, how many prophets has God sent to you and you didn't like the message, so you killed them? A lot. And Jesus was moved. He was broken over that. He was beaten and forsaken. He refused to defend himself. This man had no sin, no blame. He's never done anything wrong. And anyone that can possibly speak was speaking horrible things about him. He came as a lamb before the slaughter. You see, back in the day, there had to be something to do to cover sin. You know, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, so when they sinned, God's punishment was waiting to punish them. And God made a system where they can get their sins forgiven. And every time they would sin, they would take a small lamb and sacrifice it. Anyone ever see a sheep? Those are kind of gross. Anyone ever see the goats that, like, ram people? Those are pretty cool. We should have showed the video. But it has nothing to do with this. Let's show a picture of it. Look at that. Baby lamb. I know, right? Oh, I know. It's just so cute, right? It's like a puppy. Puppy lamb, puppy lamb, you know? Like if you've seen somebody messing with that, you'd be like, stop. It's a, it's a lamb, you know? Like, so, but, uh, you know, God had set up a system for us not to be punished by him. Someone or something had to be punished. If, if someone robs a bank and there's two people that possibly did it, they're going to take them to court. They're going to figure it out, right? They're going to figure out who did this. Someone's getting punished for this. One of you, both of you did it. Someone's getting punished. A good judge would not let them go, right? And that's what God is. God is a good judge. When he looks at all humankind and he says, yeah, you murdered someone. Yeah, you hated someone so bad you wish you could have murdered them. He sees your heart. And he's made a way that every time you would sin, he would cover our sins. And scripture says, for every sin, there must be a shedding of blood to bring forgiveness. That's scripture. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, indeed, I, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's scripture. 
So back in the day, when they sinned, God had to judge them because he's a good judge. And when they sinned, he'd say, okay, well, what you're going to do is you're going to take this baby lamb, you're going to raise it, it has to be perfect and spotless, and there can't be any defects, and it's going to take your place, and you're going to cut it, and its blood will be poured out. Now remember, the shed, without shedding of blood, no sin can be forgiven. Someone must be punished. If someone breaks the law, someone must be punished. You can't forget that it just happened. So when Jesus came on the earth, he was the lamb. He was the perfect version of the lamb. Think about that. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of baby lambs were killed throughout the years. And then all of a sudden we see Jesus coming on the scene. And it says in John 1.29, as John sees him, and he's just dunking fools and, you know, repent and all that stuff. And, you know, everybody knew what John was. He was looking all crazy. And, you know, they talked about like what he wore, you know, and just his look. He just, he looked nuts. But then he sees Jesus come on and it's, he says, what he, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of a sudden, it didn't matter what John was wearing. It didn't matter what he was saying. All that mattered was the perfect sacrifice who would forever remove sin just came on the scene. Not every year would you have to kill a lamb. Forever, he would take out the sin, the perfect sacrifice. And we're all pretty okay with that, right? Jesus died on the cross for my sin and now I get to go to heaven, right? And let's keep reading. Like everyone's okay with a baby Jesus and a baby lamb, and we all said, oh. Shepherd. Let's look, in, let's look at a good shepherd. God is a, is a shepherd over his people, right? He's a shepherd. Okay, so over and over we hear how God is a good father and how he's a shepherd over his people, and basically he just makes sure the flock doesn't get in trouble and Make sure even though they may wander off, he's going to get them back into the fold, right? He's going to get them back to where they need to be. And over and over in Scripture, in Psalms 23, we see, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me to still water, right? That's Scripture. And then in Psalms 145, we're going to look at the character of God. And it says this, Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let generations tell its children of your mighty acts. Mighty acts. What does he mean by mighty acts? Maybe a little Red Sea parting. I don't know. They probably talked, that, they probably talked about that for generations. That's nuts. How God rescued his people. How he saved his people. So then uh, it says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Think about that. Thousands and thousands of years. You know who's been around the longest? The faith that's been around the longest, the God that's been around the longest, is Jehovah God. The God of Israel. He has outlasted every single one of them. Islam wasn't even around during these days. Islam wasn't even thought of. God has stood the test of time. Over and over, generations have talked about who he is. And it says, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. And here's the key words. The Lord is gracious and merciful. <coughs> what does that mean, gracious? It means he, he 
brings grace even when we don't deserve it. He loves you even when we don't deserve it. And full of compassion for who? For all of us. That's the God we serve here today. Slow to anger and, and great into mercy. You know, when we were kids, we used to sing a song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. We should mean it <laughs> because it's a true story. When we say God is awesome because he loves us, that's true. To a thousand generations, he keeps his promise. Anyone ever have someone that just didn't keep their promise to you? They broke it? It could be a family member, a friend, close friend. It just it shatters our lives, right? But the God we serve is forever known as someone who keeps his word, his promise that he'll be there. And he's not going to leave you or forsake you until he's done what he said he will do. And we could take him to the bank for that. He is known for it. And when we say he loves us and he's a good shepherd, we can say that rightly. But somehow we could leave off a few important things. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, No, therefore the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to thousands of generations. What is covenant? It's promise, right? Like he keeps his promise for hundreds and hundreds of years. God remembers what he said to that group of people who are literally worm bait. They're not around anymore. But God remembers his promise to those people and all the way to their children's children's children's. That's awesome. That's the God we serve. We look at nature itself. It, it shows the splendor of God. He is beyond genius. He's beyond Albert Einstein. Who would ever thought of a flower opening up? And I know we'd all be like, well, the flower's always open, right? No, like God wanted there to be a moment where this beautiful flower comes out of its shell for the first time and shows itself. Just God created that. He created everything without effort. Just boom, done. This God was so creative that he thought of a way to, to take away sin. He didn't just patch it. He promised that there would be someone perfect to come so that we wouldn't be punished. And he thought of the most ingenious way. I'm going to send the best anything I have, the best I got. And it's going to come down in flesh. And it's going to, and when he dies, he's going to take away all the sin. And he's going to take the place for mankind. God thought of that. It was God's pleasure to give his son. And Jesus, it was his pleasure to give his life for many. That's some awesome stuff. That's the God we serve. But here's the difference. If, if, if he keeps his promise, if he keeps his promises and he's so creative, if his love is so extravagant, everyone say the word extravagant. That's like going above and beyond, right? And that's like, I don't know, like I'm a big ice cream guy. I love ice cream. So that's like going to Hazel Marie's or Overwise or wherever favorite ice cream place. We could sit here and debate that all day. I, my schedule's clear. We could do that. But uh, I think God created ice cream on the eighth day. 
But like, I don't, we're, we're still trying to, we're still trying to figure that out. We're, I'm, I've been looking, I've been studying that, but that's another sermon. But, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, like, that's like going to your favorite ice cream place and you say, man, I just want this much. And they literally just dump the whole bucket on your tray and they're going above and beyond, right? They're going, they're going nuts. That's, that's extravagant. That's how God's, that's how God's love is. And that's who God is. He's extravagant. And it's just, it's, it's so awesome. We can say, you know, like, that's the God we serve. We say, God, please help me. And he's like, all right, I'll send a thousand angels. All right, I'll heal this person. I'll, all right, I'll do miracles. I'll send my son to die for you because you can't fix your sin. He's extravagant. He goes above and beyond. But the <laughs> same God also planned a punishment for those who reject his grace. Think about that. The same God that thought of all the, the genius of nature and the same God that, that did all these things, he's planned a way to punish those that, that reject his son and don't want to know him, don't want anything to do with him. What does that mean, reject his son? Let's show the picture of the helicopter. We're seeing a lot of disasters, floodings, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, just saying it's crazy. It makes you want to pray, and if you don't pray now, then it's coming to a neighborhood near you, and then you'll pray then, and it's going to cause some churches and Christians to get serious, but they're literally rescuing people off roofs. There's, there's, no, there's water. They, they can't swim their way out of it. If they get in the water, they will die. Now imagine yourself in this scenario. You're on the roof. And all of a sudden, this helicopter comes, and if you're a mill, your hair parts, and, you know, you're, you're just like, oh my, it's, it's, it's a helicopter. You know, thank the Lord, we're going to be saved, you know, and you're excited, and you're so happy. And he starts lowering the bucket, and you're like, oh, we're not going to die, we're not going to die. But then you see the color of the bucket, and you're like, man, why does it have to be a red bucket? Like, ah, oh, get out of here, I don't, I don't I want your help, get out of here, it's a red bucket. Now, imagine yourself in this scenario. You're about to die, and somebody has come, like, in an extraordinary way, like a helicopter, and you choose to reject him because you didn't like the color of the bucket or, like, the hairstyle of the pilot, whatever it is. Now, in this scenario, do you have the right to be mad at the pilot of the helicopter? Because, remember, you were drowning. You chose to reject rescue. You chose the only option to get out of this. Whose fault is it? It's yours, right? And God's word says, choose this day who you will serve, whether the Lord or this world. You got to choose. It's, it's a choice. And you can't be mad at God because you rejected his only rescue. See, Jesus is the only name to heaven in which you can be saved. The only one, not Muhammad, not Buddha, none of the above. They don't take away sin. Their tombs have bones. His was empty. And if you reject the only begotten Son of God, the Bible says that the judgment and wrath is over you. Oh, we, I looked up the word wrath, and it, it means an, an anger just increasing over time as you, as you reject His Son, and then all of a sudden, boom, He just pours it out on you. 
And what did he say about the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, their sin has come up before me, and I'm going to go see with my own eyes how bad it is, and I'm going to judge them. So when we say God is love and God will never do this, we need to understand that the wrath of God abides on those who reject rescue. There is no other way to heaven. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the door. Anyone who tries to come beside him is just a thief and a robber. The Bible says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He can't make heaven. So what does this mean for us in this room this morning? What does this have to do with us? We pray to prayer. It has a lot to do with us because there's, there's many in this room and, you know, you may have not taken them serious. There's some in this room that may have not taken them serious. Think about that. This, this room is kind of small. There's not that many people in here that there could be. But what are the chances that just at least a few of us that one day we'll be in hell? Think about that. Why would God do that? Well, hold on. God didn't. He sent his son. He made a way where it seemed to be none. He made that way. What, what did you choose? When we look at your life and we look at the, the decisions and we, we look at what we're pursuing in life, what did you choose? Think about this. There are people that you see on the daily, whether at your jobs or your neighborhoods, They could spend eternity in hell. There's no end. Do you care? That's the scariest thought I had as a kid. I, I literally sat there and I, I thought about eternity. There, there's no end. The flames and the torment, that's one thing. But there's no end. You will forever be separated from God. Why? Because you said, Lord of Lord, but you ignored what Jesus said. Because you'll go to the door and knock and say, well, I was at church and, and I did this and I read my Bible and he says, go away, I never knew you. Why wouldn't he know you? It says, you worker of iniquity, you worker of sinful things, you who practice lawlessness. Friends, what, what are we practicing today? How serious have we taken eternity? Because Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God, and have you received his sacrifice? You know, Jesus came on earth in flesh, laid down his life, and was sacrificed, but is coming back as a lion. And he's going to punish those who, who have not accepted or, or believed him and rejected him because it's just not convenient right now. And everyone in here can say, well, my sin isn't that bad. I'm just doing this or I'm just doing that. No, like we're, we're rejecting the God of Israel. In Romans 2, 5, it says, but because of your stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For the day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 
Every day, you see, you, you push him out. Every day, you reject his word. Every day, you aren't doing what he's calling you to do. Every day, you give in to temptation, and you're chasing after sinful things. You keep moving yourself from facing God and, and slowly turning your back towards him. You see, the, the same God who created heaven is the same God who created hell. He's not willing, but he, he, he doesn't want anyone to perish. In Hebrews 10.38, it says, And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. I can imagine God just being up there and just saying, I want them to repent. I, want, I, want, I reach out all day to a people who just ignore me. God wants us all to repent. God is calling all of us to, to push our own agendas and our, and our lives aside and say, whatever you want, whatever you say, I don't care what my family thinks, I don't care what my friends think, I'm following Jesus. Mark 8.36, it says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I feel God just pleading with us to, to take up our cross and follow him. What's it going to take for us to get serious? You know, stop playing games. Get serious about prayer. Get serious about separating ourselves from such and such. I don't know what it is, but I know God is saying he loves you. But if you reject his love, I can't, and not accept his rescue, he can't help you. God has a word for you this morning. Today, will you come running? Will you chase after him like never before? Because he's coming back as a lion. Revelations 19, John said, Then I saw heaven open up, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider, its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly the wages, of, uh, wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and a name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. And his title was Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like a juice flowing from the winepress. And on his robe at his thigh was written the title King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Who's John talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? Not the suffering, defeated, broken, crucified Jesus. He rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. He's coming back to exercise judgment on nations and people who reject him. See, God the Father sees all the horrible things in this world. Think about that. Every sin, every hateful heart, every gossiping tongue, everything that happens on planet Earth, God Almighty sees it. And there's coming a day where we'll all bow a knee and, and King Jesus will come back as a lion and he will judge everyone and every soul that has not accepted or believed him. But guess what? People who are in Christ that know he died for you and covered your sins and believe in the resurrection and, and surrender, him, surrender to him now and live for him now will 
not have to suffer that wrath. See, we've been declared innocent as followers. We've been declared righteous. When God sees us, he sees Christ. If you are in Christ. I didn't say if you read your Bible every now and then, or if you go to church every once in a while. I'm saying if you've given yourself completely and wholly to Jesus, surrendering your life over to him, knowing that he died for you, and was raised from the grave so that you may live in heaven forever and have the wrath of God removed from you and from us. You've been declared innocent. You must choose. You can't just dance between the two. You gotta choose this day. You can't hide truth. People are waiting for you to reveal Jesus to them. It's bigger than you and I. It really is. You know, the, the, the people that we see and talk to daily, they're waiting for us to reveal Jesus to them. Do you know him? Do you really belong to him? And if you haven't yet, you should have a moment where you do fear eternity. A meal's going to come up in the band. Let's stand. I want this time to be your time with Jesus. <coughs> I want you to look around the room. We got 44 empty chairs in this place today. Who do you know? Who do you know that, that you've been trying to lead to Christ, that you've been trying to, to just press in and just, just pray over? And have you been praying for them? Let's lift them up today. Let's pray over these chairs. Maybe we need to just invite them in here. Just so they could hear the gospel. You know, God will use you to reveal Jesus to them. You just need to lift them up in prayer and you need to pray for them by name. Maybe there's a neighbor next to you. Pray with them. Give them that name. Share that name with someone. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now that you just, you're trying to figure it out on your own. I was there. I was there not too long ago. I was there. And when I look in this room right now, I see family because I know there's people in here praying for me. And I really appreciate that because it, it helped. It really did. There's a lot of answers there. There was. I was struggling. I felt beaten. I felt just defeated. I felt like this is it. But... There came that moment, though, where I just said, you know what? I'm tired of doing it on my own. It's, it's time to, to just give it to God. This life, not just my problems, my life. And you use it. When you have that moment of surrender, that, that moment of just being able to just let go of everything and just say, God, here, it's yours. Whatever you want. What do you want me to do? It's so like just refreshing. It's so relieving because you know what? I'm not doing it on my own anymore. 
I got somebody else taking the reins. We're going to pray, but again, just use this time. Pray over the, the, the people that you know. If you need prayer, Pastor Ken, I'm here. Jason's here. We want to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you now, Lord. And Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for just revealing so much. And just when I was getting this ready, just in my own life, Lord. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in this room right now, Lord. I pray for every single person here, every person online, Lord, that they just hear your word, Lord, and that, Father, you just keep tugging on their hearts, Lord. If there's a decision that needs to be made today, Lord, that, that it happens, Lord, and that they're able to share it. Father, we thank you just for your, for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for never letting go, God. Father, I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in here today, Lord, that just they're going through any tough, any tough things, Lord, that's going on in their lives, Lord, that they just surrender to you, God. Just let go. Just let go. I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you for what you're about to do. For it's in Christ's name. Amen.